You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter O'Toole. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco, and this is episode 278. With us today, we have our good friend and colleague and co-host, Peter Altschul. What's going on today, Peter? So yesterday, the high in Columbia was 82 degrees. Today, the high is 60. So That's what's I'll happening talk- that's what's happening here. We got in the 70s today. It might not get out of the 50s tomorrow. That's likely no. the same front. It is. And so October is here, obviously. So welcome to fall. Thank you. And today's date is October 7th, 2022. Before we continue with our special guests, let me thank those people who make it possible for In Perspective to be available to the public. We start out, of course, with Raymond Gay, our producer. Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place chat line. Thank you very much for airing our programs on Bulletin Board 15. I want to thank our media outlets for airing the show when they can. Thank you. And also Jacqueline Sylvia, our website designer for archiving and perspective programs on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. And I also want to give a shout out today to a faithful listener. I want to say hi to Trish Hubschman. Oh. Trish, thank you very much for listening to the program. We appreciate that very, very much. Today we have with us Leonard Tuchener. He is an author, and the name of his book is called Merlin, the Magic Turtle, a Story of Love and Justice. He's here to talk about that book today. First of all, welcome to In Perspective as a guest. Take, thank you. Thank you. So, so Leonard, before we talk about your book, let's talk a little about uh, who you were before you started writing. So, what? what t- tell us a little about yourself. Uh, you know, what you were doing before you were an author. Well, I was a rehabilitation counselor. Uh, actually, I was a regular counselor, and I did that for different agencies. And finally, I was in private practice. And I did that for about 20 years or so, or well, more than that. 60 years altogether. Big pardon? 60 years altogether. Oh, yeah, 60 years altogether. Um, and uh, I really hadn't done any writing until um, around 60 or 65, something like that. Well, I, I did some writing, some uh, clinical writing. You know, I would give write about case uh case notes and and reports and stuff like that but did you I, say did you say 60 years you sound very yeah. young leonard tell him how old you i'm 82 yeah I never would have known that now did you work for a state agency i did for about two and a half years and i i got out because uh what we were doing well, I learned how to play the game, uh, which was um, statistics, and I really excelled at that. <laughs> and I didn't like what I was doing, so I left that to do uh, something I liked a little better. And then I worked for an agency called the Jewish Vocational Agency, where I was um, a work evaluator, a counselor, a, um, a big one. Supervisor. Uh, I supervised there too, and um, and I did that for about sixteen years. 
I was very happy with it. But then eventually I left and I came to this area in Charlottesville. And then I was a transitional housing coordinator and I worked for uh, Planning District 10, uh, which is, uh, oh, it has all kinds of things, uh, mental health people and everything. And then I just went full time doing straight counseling. And then uh, at about 60 or something like that, I started to write and I got serious, serious about it as I wrote. And uh, I joined a critique group, and I learned how to write poetry, and uh, the rest is history. So uh, what what types of people did you counsel, and what kind of counseling did you do? Uh, people with uh, emotional issues, with um, like anxiety, depression, uh, ADHD, um, you name it, uh, in including schizophrenics, by the way. That was... Ooh. That's when I was working for the Judicificational uh, Service. So, and, uh, and so you, the, the main character in the book is coincidentally named Leonard yes. uh, and is a social worker. So how much of this book is, do you think is autobiographical or, or another way of framing the question is how much of this um, uh, story is, is real life for you? Well, you know, they say write about what you know. And uh, although I am not exactly Leonard in there, everything that is experienced in the book, I knew something about. I Leonard knew something about. Um, for instance, uh, Dr. Meterman, um, who was Leonard's boss, was my boss. Only it wasn't his name wasn't Meterman. He didn't work for uh, um, a private hospital, but his character was the same. Um, I didn't have a talking turtle, but I had a, t a little tiny painted turtle, which I gave to uh, my girlfriend at the time. And he almost drowned, just like Merlin did while in the swimming pool. He almost got sucked in the, uh, the, the sucker. So, you know, the thing that skims. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you you can point to anything. I, it, it takes place in... Uh, the home ground is Miami and you go into Gainesville and uh, all kinds of places in Florida and all those places I'm aware of. And it happens at a time about 1967 when, because uh, a big part of this book is about the colored issue uh, in mixed marriage and so forth. And uh, that was very alive at the time. Not that it's not alive today, but it was a little different then. We didn't call people black. We called them colored and such. So uh, uh, what uh, you, you talked about the turtle uh, being sort of, quote unquote, modeled, as it were, from your from your uh, play turtle, as it were. I was going to ask you why you didn't choose another uh, inst uh, uh, animal uh, to, to be the talking turtle, you know, like a talking, I don't know, aardvark or something. Um, but I, but, 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 but I, I gather it would, you, you knew what you knew about turtles. Yeah. Well, I would have used an aardvark. That was a good idea, but I know I wouldn't be writing about what I knew. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. <laughs> so what, what gave you the idea of having a turtle that actually talked? Cause that's an important part of the story. What, why, why would that turtle talk? Well, it's a good way, uh, to, 
get a new perspective on things, to have um, a consciousness that is perceiving humanity from its own point of view. And it's a, it's a ploy that I've used in a lot of things that I've written. I've had talking turtles, I've talked to gnomes, I've talked to septic gnomes, I've talked to um, mice, I've talked to a whole lot of different animals, and I've talked to vegetables too. So does that answer your question? Talking turnips, perhaps, right? Uh, never, you know, yeah. turnips, turnips should be good for something, I suppose, uh, or talking tomatoes. Uh, has all kinds of potential, but talking okay. Brussels sprouts. Talking Brussels sprouts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I had so, a turnip. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. You you had a what? I had a talking turnip. I wrote ah, about a talking turnip. Did you? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I would. So. So the the book opens. Uh, uh, the hero, as it were, was was it was fishing, and uh, runs into this, saves the turtle's life actually, uh, from drowning. And one of the things that that interested me is uh, two things about the turtle. One, of course, is uh, is sort of the comments he makes, which are sort of sort of it has sort of a snarky feel to them, and sort of a commentary of what's going on around him. He's a very astute. He's a very astute talking turtle. He doesn't say very many stupid things. Um, he's you know he's always commenting on what's going around. But one of the things that interested me was uh, the way the turtle is accommodated. Right, there's so many things the turtle needs to be. Uh, once the once the once everybody acknowledges the fact that he can talk and it's not a ventriloquist's trick, which happens quite often, they have to make adjustments. And so, you know, so how, for example, could a turtle talk on the telephone and all kinds of other things? How did you sort of think through all those things about, you know, how, how, how a turtle does certain things and how do you, how do you accommodate uh, an environment so a turtle can function properly, talking or not? Well, it has something to do with the way I write. Uh, I don't have a full story in mind when I start writing. And so as I write, it unfolds. And then there's certain needs that I didn't perceived, I didn't anticipate. And communicating over distance uh, in my absence and for other reasons needed a way for the turtle to be able to talk on a telephone. So I went ahead and invented it in my mind. Uh, plus the fact one of the, in my former life as a sighted person, um, I did a lot of handy thing stuff, a lot of handy, craft stuff, you know, like I built two boats and stuff like that. So yeah, I can think that way. But it's not just the phone, of course, the turtle, how do you accommodate a turtle to live in a house uh, uh, and to swim in a pool and to get to the pool of, uh, so that he's not seen uh, and uh, all that kind of stuff I thought was really interesting and well done about how do you accommodate, uh, how do you make accommodations to make a turtle's environment Turtle, turtle fun, and mm -hmm. enemy proof as much as possible. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Well, by the way, um, the canals that um, I used to uh, uh, kayak down those canals in Miami, which are uh, all over the place, and this one was about two blocks from my house, uh, so it was easy to think about, you know, the turtle in that way. But anyway, it was just just a side issue. So Leonard, uh, so Leonard and the turtle are, uh, you know, living their lives and they've gotten used to each other and they've 
figured out how to address a nosy neighbor and all this other stuff that's going on. Um, and Leonard has his own sets, sets of, chal- of, of, of troubles, uh, which, which you write about uh, in, in the book. And then he runs into Kira. Talk about who Kira was. Well, Leonard had an accident um, on a motorcycle, and um, his wife at the time was uh, riding on the back of it. And uh, Leonard was uh, really banged up, and uh, part of the book is about looking for his wife because, well, that's a long story. But um, what was the question again? Kira. Oh, Kira. Yeah, Kira. Kira uh, took care of Leonard while he was recuperating. She was his nurse. And um, there was a a long, there's about two years in which uh, Leonard, I guess, was suffering from um, uh, what's the dramatic stress syndrome. And and he was trying to adjust and find out where he was and who he was. And uh, the turtle was one way of of getting him to express that. And uh, he ran into Kira again as he was trying to look down the the records of his wife. um, Because there was a he wasn't supposed to talk to her um, and he wasn't even sure that she was alive. And. So he went back to the to that hospital where he was a patient, where he also had been an employee at the time. And um, he ran into Kara again, and then she offered her help. And it turned out that uh, she always that she was in love with him from the time she first met him, and he hadn't given much thought to it. But uh, that's who she what who she was, and of course that complicated things. Because he didn't know whether he was worried whether he was married or not. He didn't know what he would do when he found that if she was uh, alive and that she, she needed his help. Uh, and so they both attacked the problem and they located her. And I won't and, tell you. I won't no, tell no, you. You, you don't have to talk about the, the sort of labyrinthine uh, process by which they do find her and, and how that gets resolved. And what I found interesting is something you said in the in the book, uh, in that Merlin has become sort of a therapist, right, for the for for Leonard to help him think through the issues and to help him, uh, as you said, address uh, address his PTSD that he had, you know, when he had that motorcycle accident and, and uh, Neil got killed himself, and you know he never knew what happened to his wife as a result of 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 um, you know there are different parts of the hospital and one thing led to another, so. Um, they they uh, uh, they they find the 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 wife, and what do they find about her without going into great detail? But what what do they find about the wife, and um, uh, and what happens? Well, as far as he knew, um, she had been brain brain damaged, and but she uh, had recovered all of her faculties except her memory. Uh, and I don't want to tell you too much, no. but um, that was her condition when he, uh, he found her. She was, uh, uh, and well, I don't know how to how to how to go any further in that. But the, the, the only thing I'll I think the only thing to say now that I think about it is the problem gets resolved. 
how it gets resolved is interesting, but we don't need to go into that. that that's part of the plot of the book. But one of the things I do want to talk about a little bit, we, uh, we, we, didn't talk, we talked about Kira. We didn't talk about, you mentioned in, in passing that, that she uh, was black. And so you have this mixed race relationship, um, which during that time in Florida and probably other, most parts of the country was a really controversial thing. And they run into all kinds of trouble uh, in, in the book. And there are always, uh, there's a lot in the book about uh, how things were back then and how people sort of reacted to the fact that there are certain hotels, for example, that, that African-Americans or colored people, as they were told, called back then, and sometimes much worse, weren't welcomed. Uh, and you know, there's, there's a whole conversation, and Leonard has a lot to learn about how, how that all worked. And I thought that the way that whole thing was handled was interesting. You know, what, what, what were you sort of, what were your sort of reactions to all of that as you were writing it? Uh, I wanted to um, be very careful about what I wrote, uh, not to use um, phrases or um, things that we might have said back then that uh, might be considered um, gauche today in, the, in today's world, uh, things that I wanted to touch on um, prejudices uh, that she had learned to work around uh, much, you know, and I wasn't prepared to, um, or I was prepared to do, to do anything for her, but I didn't know how to handle it when, when I was involved and it was directed at me. Uh, there was one incident where um, once uh, the person was, it was very nice to me, but I didn't tell him that I was, I had my girlfriend in the, in the, um, in the car. And when she came there and she was uh, black, uh, he slammed the door in our face. So, um, so we had all kinds of people there. We had uh, some that were just totally open and uh, some that were totally closed. And, um, but, but Kira was able to handle it all. And um, and that's that's sort of the way it was back then that uh, that that African Americans had to learn to address a, a hostile environment, uh, and Leonard had a lot to learn to to so to support her in addressing that. Of course, it's probably it's still the same today, but not nearly as dramatic as it was back then. It seems to me, but that's that's I'm editorializing at the moment, uh, but that's sort of the way I sort of see things. I agree uh, with that, Peter. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so um, and, and of course there there is one scene that's that's kind of scary, you know, where, where uh, it's it's much worse than just being ignored or ridiculed or have their door having a door being slammed in their face. They they uh, they get attacked by uh, people that aren't very nice, and then when they fend off the attacks, they call the police. There's the question of who who will the police believe, mm. right? And that, that, you know, sometimes things haven't changed very much in that arena either. You know, the police ultimately believed, uh, you know, Leonard and the, and the black person, but it wasn't clear for quite a while that, that they would be believed. And that was, that was, uh, you know, that was kind of dicey. Yeah. Uh, But that's the way things were, as I understand those times where the police were, were, you know, even, even when the evidence was pointing towards that the white people did, you know, did the wrong thing. The police often didn't want to go down that direction. Uh, yeah. And that, that was kind of a, uh, I thought that was, that was well done. 
Uh, and fortunately, let's just say, fortunately, Leonard had karate experience. We'll, we'll leave. We'll, we'll 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 leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So, talk. Let's go back to to um, to Merlin. By the way, which is M E R L Y N, not I N. Unlike the magician and King Arthur. That's right. Or or as well but m-e-r-l-y-n uh the magic turtle is the title of the book and so merlin has a history of he just doesn't appear in the swamp uh he's he has a back history and so talk a little bit about that his back history but that's the sec that's the balance of the book so what where was merlin before he before leonard found him in in the swamp well, when he was um, just hatched on the beach somewhere in Miami, uh, it was one of those, it was the, you know, the moon was shining and he had to uh, run into the sea and, and with a, a load of other turtles. And um, this little girl saw him, uh, saw, the, you know, a lot of them and he, she picked him up and uh, she, uh, begged her parents to let her keep him. And uh, so he was with her for till she was in her early, her late teens until, you know, she, um, she got uh, something happened to her. She, there was an accident in her family too. And Merlin had learned to speak with her um, but it becomes clear that Merlin is not a normal turtle. Uh, and so I mentioned the canals before. Uh, she was living with, with the girl. Her name is Angela, I think. Yeah. 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 And um, so all of a sudden there was one day that nobody came home. Of course, he could hear the neighbors speaking. And then he learned that they weren't coming home because they had a... Uh, an accident, and he didn't know whether anybody had survived or not, but he did hear them saying that the, the girl had been taken off to the hospital. So he uh, got out through the screen uh, of um, where the swimming pool was. It was screened in, and he made his way to the canal, and he swam down the canal uh, to uh, the mango swamps, I actually made that trip on my uh, canoe, and um, and then he learned how to be a a wild turtle, and uh, he learned a lot of about the world by what he overheard fishermen and so forth saying, and um, then he had that situation where he almost drowned and he needed uh, and Leonard happened to be there and he just you know so he yeah and and Leonard uh, at the very beginning of the book. Uh, Leonard, uh, you know, turtle needs needs to be saved and talks, and Leonard doesn't know what to make of this talking turtle, um, and that's how the whole book starts. You talk? How? What do you mean you talk? I can talk, I, you know, just like I, you know, there's all <laughs> kinds of snarky snarkiness goes back and forth, but that's that's how the book starts. So once um, the the problem of his wife being resolved, Merlin wants to be reunited with Angela. Right. And and so that's the that's the balance of the book about how that how that happens. Uh, and without Kira, of course, this would not have been possible at all. Uh, right. And I, the, the rest of the book talks about how that re reuniting takes place and how Angela's life changes 
for the better once Merlin is back in her uh whatever the right word is ownership life. is quite the right word but but they become friends back right back in back in back in her life um and and then the issue becomes uh what happens to Angela because Angela's caretaker has her own medical issues and um which which prompts a question there is a court hearing to uh talk about the how how Angela is ready to be uh um adopted i guess is the right word and that court hearing that you write about you know talking about leonard toward the end of the book is very very lifelike to me and i'm wondering if you had experiences in your life doing that kind of stuff you know going to court uh because that 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 was one of the more lifelike parts of the book to me was that whole court hearing you know you know the section i'm talking about yes so is is that something you you knew about or, or experienced yourself or how did you how did you how were you able to construct that scene well, I, I was a um, vocational expert, <clears throat> that's the title, and uh, I would be called upon occasionally to go into court and uh, give testimony as to whether a person was able to work or not. And I've been to court several times as a counselor uh, for clients and stuff like that. And um so I guess I had, oh, and of course, I went to court myself once or twice at the traffic court because uh, <clears throat> I have to tell you, I was driving long after I was capable of being safe. <laughs> so, uh, and I've had many accidents, but uh, <laughs> big part. Because of your vision. Yeah, because of my vision. Mm-hmm. And um, the... Uh, and I've been there and, and seen what it's like also to be cross-examined uh, on the, you know, as the, the accused as well. So, but not not seriously, just, you know, for traffic stuff. So I guess that kind of gave me the background. I thought that was really well handled, you know, because that, that was, a, that, that, those are complicated scenes, you know, where people are, uh, are trying to assess whether, in this case, Angela, uh, is is ready to do what she wanted to do? Is she adult enough to make these kinds of decisions? And uh, I thought that was an extremely well uh, well crafted scene. The other thing that happens at the end of the book, of course, is that uh, Leonard and Kira get married, and in order for that to happen, the parents uh, have to approve of the wedding. And both sets of parents aren't sure about this marriage at all, and so it's a whole lot of talking about that. And then they then they meet. This, these uh, these Jew, white Jewish parents and these African American Baptist parents uh, meet, and the tensions uh, are they, they they work, but it takes a little bit of doing. And then once again, Kira comes through and sort of figures out how to deal you know, uh, diffuse some of the potential tensions that goes on. And Kira really is is uh, an amazing sort of diplomat, and that's that's the way a lot of African Americans had to be at that time, and I think still do to a large extent. And all of us who are minorities have to as well if we're going to be successful. I was going to say blind people are used to this too. Exactly. This form of culture. Exactly. It's exactly the same kind of dynamic, I think. Any reactions to any of that, Leonard? Uh, yeah. Um, you spilled the beans about we got married. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. But but but, but the, pro- the, the process is more interesting than the actual what happens. Well, uh, actually, actually, uh, yeah, I, my reaction is that um, when I was um, – uh, 
about 21 or 22, I, I met a shiksa, that means a non-Jewish girl. And I did marry her. This, uh, she's my first wife. <clears throat> Diane is my second wife. I've been married to Diane a lot longer than I was to, uh, to Yuna. And um, my mother had ex those reactions that I wrote about. Um, and uh, I had to find some way of getting over it, I, which I did. Uh, and But uh, my wife, they had no problem with that at all. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is a. Uh, and I, I sort of wanted to talk about uh, one of the things that really struck me about Merlin, especially, um, was, and I mentioned the word more than once, the issue of accommodations. And uh, I couldn't help thinking about sort of disability in this whole component. I mean, you know, you have this turtle who has this, who isn't, doesn't have a disability, but has this sort of unique talent and has to be accommodated. It's not just the phone. There are all kinds of other things that, that had to be done. And what I found really intriguing was sort of the conversations that Leonard and the turtle had about, okay, how do we do this? And it was sort of, a, it was, it was sort of good accommodations conversation. Leonard didn't assume what, what Merlin needed. Leonard mm -hmm. usually asked the turtle, right? How, mm -hmm. how, how can you make this work? Here's what I'm thinking. Uh, what do you think? And Merlin sometimes uh, gave snarky responses, but they always seemed to be able to work things out. Um, and the other sort of piece of this that interested me was you're, you're, you have this sort of unique person or unique turtle, as it were, and they have all these people who don't quite know how to handle you, this, this unique person. And I couldn't help but think this is sort of what happens to uh, people with disabilities, but also other groups as well, to a lesser extent, where, you know, all of a sudden we're blind people and they're friends of ours who are sighted, who know that we're blind and handle it well. But then there are other folks who we have to figure out how, how do we address people who are, who are clueless or who are partially clueless or who are sort of clueless. Uh, and sometimes friends can help, and sometimes they can't. I thought that whole, that whole dynamic was written quite effectively in the book. You know, where Merlin is, you know, you know, what do you do with this talking turtle? And people don't know what to make of this talking turtle. Is this real? Is this a is this a real turtle or is this a fake turtle? And is he really talking? And you know, how does how does how does he do it? And uh, I just thought that whole thing was was really interesting. And how how much did your disability play into all of that? Uh, if at all, uh, that's what I was just thinking. I wonder why I was affected by that at all. Um, as you're talking, it, it occurs to me, um, one of the reasons I probably picked the turtle that I didn't realize until just now <laughs> is that if you're going to pick any animal, you want to pick the one that has the most dis disability for functioning in society. I mean, he can't. He can't climb. He can't. He can't. Uh, well, in the water, he can do just about anything. But you know, he, you really have to use your mind to uh, to work out things. Um, but I, I guess one of the reasons I don't think that it affected that the handicap thing really came to my mind is that I spent a good part of my life denying that I had anything wrong. At the same time, I knew I, you know, I needed uh, aids. I couldn't see the blackboard, et cetera, et cetera. 
but I found ways around it. And I found like driving when I really shouldn't have and that sort of thing. So. But, but, I, but I, I, I think from sort of listening to you talk that that sort of influenced the way you, 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 you drew the character of Merlin, right? Cause Merlin yeah. knew he was quite capable of doing certain things. Um, uh, he, he, he couldn't quite climb things, but he, but he could figure out ways of climbing, climbing things more effectively. Right. And those are the kinds of things that we all do. We, we find life hacks to address our disability or to address our, the way we don't function in, uh, as we, as well as we, we want to in society, we find ways of sort of working around it. And sometimes they're illegal and sometimes they're less so, and sometimes they're controversial and sometimes they're not. And I, I just thought a lot about that as 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 I, as I was reading this, you know, the, about Merlin and how, you know, so how how did Leonard react, and then how did Kira react, and how did the the, the uh, later on how did the psychiatrist react, and how did uh, and, and and who who do you tell? Do you tell the neighbor, uh, and if so, how do you tell the neighbor? You know, all this kind of stuff just, just struck me as really fascinating, sort of disability education, as it were. Um, and I, I, you know, whether, whether or not you wrote it that way deliberately, um, I thought it's a, it's a very interesting way of sort of viewing disability. Uh, well, thank you. As I say, I didn't have a, a plan in mind that the plan worked itself out. So Leonard, before we turn our program over to our participants, where can we find the book, your book? Uh, well, you can find it uh, at Amazon uh, by its name. And uh, you can get a lot of other information from there, too. But I have um, a URL that you can, uh, that if um, I notice that um, Leonore is there, and this is uh this is the URL that where where my where the book is to be found. Okay. HTTPS colon slash slash www dot dld books dot com slash touchner. That's T U C H. Y N E R slash. And if they want, if somebody wants to and they, they can't, and that's not enough, enough information, uh, they can uh, contact me by email. And my email is uh, Touchner, that's T U C H Y N E R 5 at AOL.com or the same beginning. It's, but also on the Gmail account as well. And what is uh, what is the complete what is the complete title of the book? The what? The complete title of the book. Oh, um, Merlin the Magic Turtle. Um, what's the rest? A of story it? of love and justice. A and story justice, of, of love and justice. Love, and those are both powerful themes throughout the book: love, of course, and and justice. Mm -hmm. So, uh, are we oh, time to do questions, Bob? Yes. All right. So go ahead. Why don't we start that process? Ray, do we have any raised hands at the moment? Marsha. And somebody I can't. Hello, Ray. The voice assistant has encountered an error period. Do we have any raised hands at the moment? 
Oh, hold, hold on. Ray, where are you? Ray, she's disappeared. Um, we, um, this is Marsha. My hand is raised. Can okay. I just jump yeah. in? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Marsha. Yeah, go right ahead, Marsha. Yeah. Marsha Wick. Um, I'm going to hey. pull Leonard's leg because I'm in one of his writing groups. And so I often have the pleasure of reading his pieces. And he often animates animals or bugs or rodents and you know he has a very clever imaginative mind i i don't write like that at all but when i when i you know applaud his imagination um you know he'll often say to me i you know i didn't make that up it all happened for real <laughs> <laughs> so i just love his mind and and you're you know i applaud your finishing your book leonard good job Thank you. Um, next up is phone numbering one phone number ending in one two five. Phone number. Hi, um, this is Sally. Hey, um, Sally. I'm also a member of the same critique group Marcia is, and I also love Leonard's writing. I just have a question. I'm reading Merlin now, and perhaps this is addressed in the book, but if it is, I haven't reached it yet. Why the variant spelling for Merlin's name? Why L-Y-N instead of the more common L-I-N? Um, just came out that no plan. Just came out that way. Yeah. Right, but 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 the question is sort of an interesting one, right? The typical Merlin is M-E-R-L-I-N, and he and Leonard, you spelled it with a Y, L-Y-N, and it's sort of a unique take. Could it have been possible, Leonard, that maybe subconsciously you wanted to distinguish one Merlin from the other Merlin, and that was yes. the way to do it? Yeah, that, that's, yeah. that was part of it, that, for sure. To yeah. really set Merlin apart. Yeah. 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 And also, Merlin wasn't really a magic turtle, right? He had, he had one unique skill. Right. He could talk. You know, he, yes. he couldn't he couldn't jump through hoops. He couldn't uh, he could he could sing though. Actually, come to think of it, he does <laughs> sing at some point during the book. But that's a you know that's a, uh, icing on the cake, as it were. Yeah, I, I that is kind of interesting. But uh, he he but he wasn't really a magician. He was a talking turtle. So that's right. yeah, uh, thank you, Sally. Anything else? Mm -hmm. Ending in eight eight zero. You're up next. Eight eight zero. Can you hear me? Yeah, now yes. we can. Who is Hello? this, please? Hello. Um, so, um, uh, thank you very much, um, Leonard, for being on the, on the program. Um, I have a different take. Uh, I'd like to ask about your background in um, emotional counseling. Um, um, I recently read a book called Boys Adrift, uh, uh, written by Leonard Sachs. He talks about how boys nowadays, especially with uh, social media and um, and video games and other factors, are um, unmotivated. Um, and there's somebody in my family who's unmotivated, and some people in my family have said he's autistic. Um, and I'm just wondering, and he went through college, and he has a computer science degree but he works in a grocery store and doesn't seem to be motivated. And luckily his parents are, are well off enough that they, you know, he's able, they're able to support him. 
But well, I'd like to draw on your, your experience in emotional counseling. How, uh, if, if I should, or if anybody, you know, his parents should, how can they motivate him to, um, to make better use of his education? And before you answer, Leonard, uh, who was uh, just speaking? A name? This is Matt. Uh, from where? Uh, uh, Ashburn, Virginia. Okay, th- th- thank you. It helps us. Leonard, can you address Matt's question, please? <laughs> well, that's a hard one because it uh, is. Uh, it, it, it's almost like he's asking a question that uh, of a professional, which I am <laughs> not any longer. I'm retired, but I but okay. it, but uh, if there's maybe a, I think I'm just primarily asking your opinion, but with somebody with some some experience in, in that field. Autism and all the different yeah. levels of autism. All the, and, and how people, how yeah. all the different people can handle how, their uh, lives. It depends on the level of autism. And yeah, uh, yeah, my wife is filling me in because uh, we have bad connection and I don't hear that well. Um, so the question is that he has this the education. Is that- he has this education, but he isn't using it. And you want to know how to motivate him to use it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, this is a and, and- this is a very complex question. I, I I wouldn't dare to try to answer it. Uh, okay. Uh, but but sorry, let, I, I, I thought I. No, no. Let, let, let me let me uh, let me let me throw something, and Leonard, you can you can uh, you can react to it, uh, because uh, one of my step step kids uh, doesn't have autism, but it's close. And part part of the challenge that, uh, and this is this is true for people from other groups too, is that we we are a hard culture to navigate sometimes for people who are different, mm-hmm. and this is especially true if. Uh, if the difference is profound, you know, the more profound the difference, the harder it often becomes. And it wouldn't surprise me to find out that this guy had all kinds of trouble through no fault of his own, navigating the, navigating the, uh, the, the, the culture and found it easier just to take the easiest job it could get and, 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 and be safe. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge I think becomes, how can he, how can we as friends and supporters Make him feel more safe to take to take risks, and just preaching isn't going to do it. Uh, and I, you know, my my sense is we need we you know Matt we we need to we need to know a lot more to be able to be more helpful. But I think the issue sort of becomes how can we find ways to encourage him to take risks because it's hard. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to 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 to, to be different. You know, um, it's about you know, motivation. Uh, well, it, and it's about it's about maybe tweaking the environment a little bit. You know, it may be uh, a number of things, but, you know, preaching is not going to do it. Time and also time. Yeah, it takes time, too. Um, it takes time. I wish Temple Grandin were here to, to address that issue because uh, her point is that um, autistic people uh, are different kind of learners. They are visual people. They um they get their their concept people. They see things 
on the whole. And when you bring it down to our, our level or the level where English is so important um, and, um, and seeing things as we do and the whole educational scheme is uh, geared to the way we, I want to say we, you know, we're not, who are not autistic generally follow. Um, so the environment is not really set up for them to, to um, uh, compete in. And yet their abilities may be superior in many ways to the general abilities. And if we can show a level of appreciation and an understanding of what they do see, what they do understand, what they, or, or not what they do, how they understand and so forth, I think that would be a, a really good thing. But, and, the, uh, and, the, and the other thing I would say about it is, computer science is is a uh, is, uh, is is one of the fields that people with autism tend to do quite well at. Uh, and so there, you know, and and there's a desperate need for people with those kinds of skills. So uh, you know, uh, Matt's question is a really interesting one because people are crying for uh, people with computer science skills. Mm -hmm. And yet there are a bunch of folks uh, who might have those skills that are being uh, uh, who, who, uh, who are being discouraged from try, trying to be successful because of, of the way uh, our, our culture is set up. It's one of the puzzling things of, of the work world these days. Um, anything else you want to react to? Yeah, think... Go ahead. I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, yeah. So um, I, I don't want to take too much time because I know there are other speakers. Uh, but um... I think um, he did get a computer science degree, and uh, but um, from from what I've heard from other family members is he does not deal well, and he doesn't he doesn't work well at all with with pressure mm -hmm. uh, and social social environments. Mm -hmm. He's not he's not comfortable at all in social environments, talking to people or. or that sort of thing. So, but yeah, he, but yeah, he works. I guess, at a um, store. he works at a grocery store, right? So <laughs> some, and, and listen, I, 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 this is difficult stuff. And my basic reaction is maybe he could find a job where he could work from home. There's a lot of telecommuting, uh, you know, telework. There are the ways of working through it, but it's it's challenging. It's really really hard. And um, I, I think you're uh, you're on the right track. Uh, thank you, Ray. Is there anybody else? Okay. Ray. Yes. Um, Beth from New Mexico, you are up next. Hey, Beth. Hey, Beth. Hi, Beth. Hi. Um, that sounds like a cool book, Merlin the Magic Turtle. And I think I found him a girlfriend. No. Over here in New Mexico, there's a, um, it's a healing park, but it's in the shape of a turtle, and uh, her name is Trinity. Is she a turtle? Yeah, she has a, yeah, she is a, it's a park in the shape of a, like a turtle. And she has a, a fountain within her and stuff like that. And, and, or a, not a fountain, you know, where you could take a bath in and stuff like, like a whirlpool and stuff. And uh, it says it's, um, I think they call her the Trinity, the healing turtle park. <laughs> So Leonard, you don't. It's not really uh, made clear in the book one or other. Did, did Merlin, does Merlin ever get a, a girlfriend? 
not that I know of. Not that you know of. Um, yeah. Uh, so Merlin is, is is a bachelor turtle. You know, it, that's that's the way. Oh. <laughs> I, I've, I've left some, you know, he starts off as a little tiny turtle, but he right. he keeps growing. And um, in the um, epilogue. epilogue of the book, um, it projects into the future and he's he's you know he's a, a worldwide traveling turtle and I'm I've set it up to where if I ever write a sequel to this he probably will come is a turtle that came from outer space. Yeah you make you make oh, an allusion cool. to that in the book actually that uh, there was some talk about Merlin somehow arriving from a different planet or something. There's a re- reference to that in the book which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, because that that's Good, and also, I wanted to say, my daughter has the same problem with thank you. I'm going to tell her that about computer scientists. My daughter has the same problem with her son. Is He's got Asperger's, and he'd rather stay in the room and play video games. He works. Mm-hmm. He works at a, um, like a construction thingy. But... Uh, he can't really really deal with a lot of social pressure either. Mm-hmm. But then once he gets home, he just sits in his room and plays video games. And she's like, why don't you get out of the house and stuff like that? And I don't know. He just doesn't want to. Well, uh, and, I, I, um, I'm going to comment about this as a guy who, uh, as a blind guy who, who worked uh, 50, 60 hour weeks for for many years. Uh, you, you get home working 50, 60 hour weeks, uh, uh, as the only blind person in, uh, around the place. And all you want to do is distress, you know, it, it's, that's not an unusual thing. Uh, you know, I didn't want to do much socializing. I just, I just needed the space to, to recharge. Um, and, yeah. and on Monday morning I was ready to go back to work. So I don't think that's, you know, it, it, you know, whether you like video games or not is one thing, but having giving people the space to charge i think makes 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 some sense to me it does okay um that's very true thank thank you go ahead Beth. Uh, okay so i believe it's alice phone number ending in 878 that's next and then uh marlene is after her alice alice thank you thank you ray and peter and of course like marcia and sally I am also in one of Leonard's three critique groups, which he moderates, facilitates for Behind Our Eyes each month, besides the one that he does locally face-to-face with people there in the Charlottesville area. And, of course, we're so grateful to Leonard for all of that uh, effort that he puts forth. But a frequent comment at our group that has met for well over six years now consistently each month is how versatile Leonard's writing is. And he writes in a number of genres and within those genres such a wide variety of topics. And so my question for Leonard is of that great versatility of your writing, did you enjoy writing this particular book more? Was it more satisfying than others? Or what? Uh, which of those types of writing that you do brings you the most satisfaction as a writer? <clears throat> All of them. 
the uh, the it depends the the story I'm working on at the time uh, is what I'm involved in, and that's that's what and that's enjoyable. Um, although to write a, a book 500 and some uh, as long, uh, long like uh, Merlin is. Uh, the situations there, this book really includes a lot of different stories of different people in, in different situations. And uh, so that really kept my interest. How many books have you written, Leonard? Well, I've published just one other one, poetry book. Uh, a poetry book. Um, I, I have completed um, about two or three others but I just did it for my family. Um, and otherwise, I'm not really big about publishing or, or selling my stuff. Um, it's just the way it is. But um, uh, let's see. I don't, I don't really know why. <laughs> so, well, I, I, as all of us authors know, marketing a book is the hardest part of the whole process. And, Very much so. Uh, you know, and that, and sometimes just just the writing and getting it, getting it in some kind of form that you're proud of is 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 all that's important. You know. All right. So next up, we have Marlene, right? I Mar think. Marlene, and then Deanna, you're next. If we don't get to you before the program ends, if Leonard, if you don't mind, uh, hang on afterwards, we'll get to Deanna's. Uh, okay. Deanna, after that. Marlene. Hi, uh, do you have a, a time to read a small part of the book, small passage, yeah. or have your wife, but she has to be louder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Do we ask, ask them if they have, if we have time? Uh, well, we'll start with... Um, we have exactly maybe. six minutes to go, pretty much, so that just gives just, you an idea. All right, start reading from the, the beginning part, and we'll just we'll stop you in three okay. minutes. Okay, this is the beginning of the book. I met Marilyn Merlin in the summer of 1968 while fishing alone in a homemade fold boat. I happened to be in the middle of a South Florida coastal mangrove swamp. I was going for mangrove snappers, but they weren't interested. However, the mosquitoes were interested in me. I'm not sure, but I think they were drawn to the repellent I sported for the occasion. Strangely enough, I heard a small voice just outside my little craft. You might imagine that I was a bit startled. Looking for a logical explanation, I thought someone might have dropped a radio in the drink while passing by. I was amazed that a radio could have survived in the salt water. A waterproof radio would be my catch of the day. Such a remarkable find would certainly be a great conversation piece. But no matter how carefully I searched, I could not spy a radio of any kind. What I did see was a turtle about the size of my palm right in the spot where the voice seemed to be coming from. At first, I didn't see anything unusual. Then I realized that the little fellow 
had managed to get himself wedged into a tangle of mangrove roots. His tiny clawed feet were frantically trying to swim out of the trap, although little progress was being made. He stopped suddenly, lifted his pouty little head, and seemed to be looking straight at me. What are you looking at? He said impudently. My eyes blinked and my jaw dropped. I suppose my irises widened as well. Excuse I, me, we, uh, I, I misquoted earlier. We have one minute to go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so let, let's, let's, um, uh, let's end, end that. Thank you so much for reading that. Yeah, um, thank you. That, that, very, uh, you write very well, Leonard. Thank you. So, Leonard, what are you working on now? Um, I may be compiling a book right now of um, just just that what we were taught we were we've been talking about of uh, a lot of um, strange stuff uh, with talking to a lot of different animals, different points of view, but also um, just weird stuff, but all of them with a point. Okay, well, we will look forward to uh, having you on if, when and if that book gets published. And uh, thank you, for, uh, thank you for, for joining us. And thank you for writing this book. It's, it's, uh, uh, I guess I should ask one other final question and, and as quickly as you can answer it. What is the audience for this book? Who did you write this book for? I just, write, I just, I just wrote it to be writing it. Okay. So you had no, no special audience in mind. It wasn't written for uh, yeah. uh, 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 turtle lovers or something. Okay. Well, that's, that's fine. <laughs> okay. So our time is up, unfortunately. We'd like to continue, but we have time restrictions. Leonard, thank you very much. Keep up the good work. Us authors must stick together. And we have a lot of them out here tonight. And we all know what it's like to write and what to base our writing on and to hope for the best. Good luck in the future with your work, Leonard. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Next week, we're going to be talking about fitness, something that's good for all of us, blind or sighted. Our guest is going to be Bill Kosiaba. He's been on our show before, so we'll look forward to that. Peter, Raymond, our participants, as well as Peter and his wife also. I forgot her name, but thank Blind you for Leonard. your time. Thank you. Yeah. And go safe with God's abundant blessings, everyone, and take care. <laughs>